As we continue worshiping together this morning, please rise as you are able and receive these words from the gospel according to Luke, the fourth chapter beginning in the first verse. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during these days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given to me. And I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and in their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, I pray now that your spirit would move among us, that your word would go forth and do that for which it is sent. Use me, O oh God, in Jesus' name, amen. Words are powerful. And words live in us. They affect the ways that we think about ourselves, the way we think about others, the way we think about the world around us, the way we think about God. The words that we have learned, that we have repeated in sacred space through prayers and worship and song become part of us. So that even when our bodies and minds begin to fail, those words somehow often remain accessible. Like water that soaks down deep to the roots of living things to give strength and life, words soak into our beings, to our core, right to our roots. And... As Pastor Casey noted, like the roots of a tree that will soak up whatever is in the water, including chemical garbage, we can soak up garbage words, words that form or deform our hearts and minds in ways that can hurt us or hurt others. 
I will be forever captivated by the studies that have been done on the effect of different words on water molecules. Have you seen these studies? It's, It's been out for years. The way it goes is this. You speak certain words over water or you write a word on a piece of paper and attach it to a vessel of water and then you take that water and freeze it. The water over which or that came near to words like compassion, love, when frozen, the molecules are picture-perfect snowflakes, while words like hate or you make me sick create disfigured images. It's a real thing. You can look it up. I'll send you the link if you ask. (laughs) If our lives, here's the point, if our lives are filled with words that are encouraging, caring, and thoughtful, those words will affect us concretely in our being, in our body. And of course, the opposite is true. My heart aches for children who find themselves in situations where they are forced to live on a steady diet of belittling words, hateful words, bullying words, blaming and shaming words. Such a diet is awful for any person of any age, but we know that in the formative stages of human development, These things can lodge themselves in ways that are difficult to extract. You do that sort of speech in sacred space, and I think it gets even more crystallized. What we know, what we know from just a few excerpts, a few accounts that we have of Jesus' life, Jesus was raised within a Jewish faith, attended synagogue regularly, and would have likely received the full education for Jewish boys that included memorization of all the scriptures, starting with the first five books, Torah. Yes, even Leviticus. And a deep study of the law and the prophets. Jesus was immersed in all of this. He was formed from the very beginning in the words of his faith. His heart and mind were rooted in the words of scripture. And today we find Jesus fresh from his baptism, led by spirit into the wilderness place where he is tempted by the devil, the one I often refer to as the devilish voice sometimes as the deceiver or the tempter. And one of the tactics of this devilish voice consistently is to peddle in half-truths, to twist words so that what is suggested sounds reasonable, sounds aligned with what is good, all the while leading you astray, away from God and into things that will do harm. In this moment in the wilderness, the devilish voice begins by picking up on the affirmation just um, given to Jesus at his baptism, sneaking in with a smile. 
If you are the son of God, turn the stones into bread. The implication, of course, is that the bread wouldn't just feed Jesus' hungry body, but could feed hungry bodies everywhere. That sounds really good. Jesus resists this temptation to make himself higher, more, to not receive and honor the power of God. Jesus resists by going deep into his roots and speaking the words of Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, which says fully, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus' formation in scripture provided a word to speak in the face and challenge of malice. A second time, the tempter tried a more full frontal approach, telling Jesus that Jesus could rule over everything, only all he has to do is just kick Yahweh to the curb. Again, Jesus resists by quoting scripture, clear. And then, noticing Jesus's tactics, the tempter uses words of scripture as the temptation. In Jim Harnish's wonderful new book, Finding Your Bearings, he says this, quote, you've probably noticed that just about anyone can quote the Bible for just about any reason. Satan was neither the first nor the last to use scripture to defend attitudes and actions that are brazenly inconsistent with the character of God revealed in the written word and made flesh in Jesus. Abraham Lincoln got it right when he looked out on a nation divided by the Civil War and said, quote, both read the same Bible and pray to the same God and each invokes God's aid against the other. Harnish goes on saying, I stand in the line of Methodist preachers who prayed to the same God, preached from the same Bible, and divided the church over slavery in 1844. As I write, he says, the United Methodist Church is again being divided as people quote the same Bible and pray to the same God, but come to opposing convictions about marriage and ordination of LGBTQ persons. This history decisively disproves the simplistic mantra that some like to throw around like it's in the gospel that goes like this. The Bible said it, I believe it. Do you know the last part? And that settles it. That is garbage. Any words, including words of scripture, can be twisted, perverted, and weaponized. Anyone from any perspective can pull lines out of context as proof texts for their own position. But the Bible isn't something you can understand. The salvation history of God is not something you can understand through sound bites or proof texts. The faithful work, the formational work, is to engage the words of scripture more holistically, 
prayerfully and ideally communally as we do in disciple Bible study. We are nourished and strengthened by the words of Scripture, not by taking the Bible literally, but by taking the Bible seriously. As it says in the Disciples' Path companion reader, quote, that means taking seriously the context in which each book was written and the rich variety of literary forms in which it comes to us. When we take the Bible seriously, we begin to discover what Paul meant when he said that scripture is, quote, useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that everyone who belongs to God may be equipped for every good work. Scripture taken seriously, its words and phrases soaking deep to nourish us at the root level, equips us to do no harm, to do good in the world. As we see in Jesus' life, the words of Scripture taken seriously strengthen us to resist evil, injustice, and oppression through the power of love and the grace of God. And I know that there are some of you who are thinking to yourselves, yes, but everyone can say that the Bible strengthens them to do what is right. The issue is we don't agree on what is right. I mentioned this in the book Sacred Resistance, sharing in particular theologian Douglas John Hall's response, and I share it now, quote, All that responsible theological thought may say on this matter is contained in the test that Jesus articulated in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. You will know them by their fruits. If anyone, he says, can demonstrate to the community of faith on the grounds of scripture and tradition that the so-called German Christians who took up with enthusiasm Hitler's racial and other policies were acting as faithful disciples of the Jewish man whom faith confesses to be the Christ, I shall be astonished. He goes on, I shall be almost equally astonished if North American Christians who favor nuclear stockpiling, the creation of enemy images, or blatant racism and sexism can demonstrate from the Bible, the Bible many of them claim to honor above all else, how such practices are justified, Christianly speaking. You will know them by their fruits. What do they produce? 
In our gospel for today, it can be said that both the devil and Jesus are versed in scripture. But we know that one is using scripture to deceive, to control, and to destroy. The other is using scripture to educate, to liberate, and to bring new life. Words and the way they are used form or deform things. Scripture can be used to speak words of life, encouragement through guidance, challenge, comfort, affirmation, and call. Or scripture can be used to shame, blame, frighten, exclude, control, and silence. And I have heard Myself have heard people do some of those latter things and say that they are doing them out of love. That is garbage. Oh, let me shame you out of love. Let me exclude you out of love. Let me judge you out of love. Our God is not a shaming God. Abusing the words of scripture in the presence, this, this makes me upset. Abusing the words of scripture in the presence of God's beloved ones produces harm. And using scripture as a weapon in ways that do harm to others is sin. I'm well aware that I say and do things that cause others pain. Every time I speak, I can make a mistake, and I often do. But my commitment is to drink deeply from the well of scripture and prayer and to humbly ask God to help and to guide me to form me and to strengthen me so that I have the courage to risk getting it wrong, even as I labor to do what is right. Are we willing to risk getting it wrong? This deep engagement with scripture through prayer and study is part of the work and the root system of sacred resistance. It's what gives us strength to take the risk. As this foundry community, one of our core values is to welcome the hard work of prophecy, acknowledging that prophets carefully examine themselves before sharing their message with the world, and that's really all anyone can ask of us, to be humble before God and before the words of Scripture, to take Scripture seriously and pray for God's help to discern its meaning for our lives and for the world. The fruits of such a practice will be the courage we need to face whatever challenge comes, will be resources to guide your decisions and the assurance that the God to whom you turn will bring you through the wilderness and the temptations and the mistakes and anything else that would try to lure you away from the path 
that leads to life. Jesus shows us how to go toe-to-toe with the deceiver, the one who tempts us to turn away from God and trust in all those old things, our own power, fame, fortune. The only thing Jesus used was the wisdom and the love of the words that lived in him and gave him strength to resist what will be always very tempting propositions. May that word live in us and strengthen us to do the same. Amen. Amen.